This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This is part two of Jamie Redknapp. If you haven't listened to part one, do help yourself. If not, here's part two. Let's talk about that dressing room a bit. So we mentioned Neil Ruddock, yeah, Julian Dix coming in. Then you had David James, Bruce Grobelar, Mark Wright, Robbie Fowler, Dominic Matteo, Steve McManaman. And then you've got Rush and Barnes. This is, and Sooness in charge, one of the spiciest dressing rooms in Premier League history. And I think Ian Rush said it kind of, it kicked off a lot around that time. What are your memories of being in that dressing room with those characters? Yeah, it was an eclectic bunch. I think because we were like the new breed of like, you know, Robbie Fowler and uh, and Steve McManaman, like, they're still my good mates. They're my best mates because I went there as a, as a, a time when there was so much going on at the club, so much in, like, infighting is the wrong word, but there was some transition going on. You had to really stand your corner because although the older players were great with you, that everyone's looking after themselves. And that's when you need, that's why people like John Barnes were so good for me because even though he knew in time I would be the one that sort of maybe became the midfield player and, and, and he won't, he'll sort of pass it on a little bit like I had to with Steven Gerrard. If you've got anything about you and you're a good human, that's what you do. You know, you try to, to do the right things. It's something that I certainly did because I had good role models. But it was a really, yeah, it was a fierce dressing room, really fierce. And, and also some great players. You know, I remember like, playing with Ian Rush. Like, when you think about the forwards now, Rush, he was so good. It was, an, it was an education. My first day in training, I joined in with the first team. And you know, I remember getting someone passing the ball. And you know, I was in midfield. I thought, I've got a second here. And I've gone to take a touch. I've looked up and he's just come and towed it away from me in that Ian Rush manner that he did. And I'd watched it on TV. But I couldn't, I didn't think he was going to do it to me in training. <laughs> And he's, he's, but that's what he did. He used to like pounce on players if you took too long on the ball. And you know, you join in in games with Kenny Dalglish, and and it, it was just a bizarre, you know, thing. Really. Did Sunes uh, play in the games in the training? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Graham had one of my funniest. Yeah, so Graham, so Don Hutchison was my big mate. Don and I, we were in digs together. Graham used to, the only thing he, he should change his mind quickly on players. Anyway, he decided he didn't want Don at the club. We want to sign Tim Flowers. Mm. Agreed the deal, but the deal had to happen that because they wanted Don Hutchison to go the other way. So Don was my mate, and he didn't. And, and this isn't a dig, but he he didn't understand how you know 
it works if you're, you know, if a manager says, or if a club say you've got to leave, we want to sell you, you haven't got to leave. It's as simple as that. So, Don, we're going to Ireland, we're on a plane, no mobile phones in that day. As we go on, they get Don, they said, oh, Mr. Hutchinson, you, you, you've got to go back to Anfield. And we're like, where are you going? It was like, we're all getting on the plane, we're in the first, we're in the first team. But then he, he was getting told that he was going to Southampton. So I get to Ireland, I call him, I said, you all right, Hutch, what are you doing? He says, um, back at his digs, I'm going to Southampton. I said, what do you mean you're going to Southampton? He said, oh, they're selling me. I'm going to Southampton. Tim Flowers is coming the other way. And I'm like, okay, that's a... I don't think, yeah, let me ring my dad. I said, so I called my dad. I said, dad, just tell me something. Has Don got to go? He went, no, of course he hasn't. If he go, you can say no. Anyway, Don then says no. The deal breaks down. Tim ends up going to, to, to Blackburn. But Graham is not happy yeah. because he's not got what he wants. And also, he's got Don Hutchison, who he's now absolutely fuming. <laughs> so we join in. So Graham hardly ever joined in. We're having this five-a-side and, and it's all quite fine. And then Graham comes walking over and then just decides to join in, in trainers, and it's wet. So I'm, we're all, this is just odd. He, he's joined in anyway. He's got the ball. He's taken a heavy touch to Don. Like, Don's against him and he's just gone crashed. <laughs> crashed into him, gone right over the top of the ball. And as he's gone, he's thrown the elbow in. So now now Hush is like on the floor. And Don, and so Graham then throws a punch in. Don throws one back and they're having a proper party. And I don't know, Don's my mate, but I'm thinking, I don't know how if I can help or I'm trying not to laugh because Don is about seven stone wet through. And anyway, they had a proper tear up. And anyway, we've all pulled them apart and they got separated. And he's just got right. I tell you what, you lot, he's playing next week. So what his team, I'm like, He's had a fight with you, mate. Why does that make he's going to play for the first team? <laughs> he just liked the fighting spirit. He's he just like the fight, exactly. Wow. <laughs> um, so then you start, you, you start, you make it into the Liverpool team. You don't get to play in the 1992 FA Cup final. You made five league appearances by that point. Did you get to go to the game? Did you get a ticket? How does that work? Yeah, I went to the game, but it was a minimum. I remember Stevie Mack was a year older than me, and Mack had played great mm. in that final. He ripped it up. And yeah, I remember going, but I wasn't in the squad. I didn't travel with the team. But they're the sort of things that you go, right, this is it now. I, I want to be part of this. So I, I had to really work hard. And I remember having that pre-season. I had a great pre-season. And then I, I came back the following year. I think we signed Paul Stewart. Yeah. But that was, that was a good thing for me because I thought, okay, that's fine. I'm a young kid, but I want to show him that I can, you know, I want to show Graham that I'm, you know, it's not you can buy new players, but I'm, I'm here and I want to show you what I can Next do. season, you play 27 times, your first team regular. You're on the pitch for one of the great incidents of all time, which is Ronnie Rosenthal hitting the crossbar against Aston Villa. What was that? Did, were you watching that? Like, did, were you celebrating? How were you... What was that like to be on the pitch for that? I turned away, Josh. I remember it now, Josh. He's gone through, because Ronnie was capable of, you know, brilliant mm. things. He was quick and direct. But it was a mad game, you know, because I, I remember when a bit of a Torben picnic made his debut that day, I think. <laughs> and uh, it, they put him in with David James. And David, he couldn't room with that. He used to get night terror. <laughs> so you couldn't room with it. And anyway, so I think he ended up to sleep in the bathroom. <laughs> and yeah, he had a stinker as well. <laughs> so and then and then to add to it, Ronnie Rosenthal at the bar from a yard away. It was harder. It was harder to miss, wasn't it? <laughs> did you meant? Did it get talked about? Like, did Sunas bollock him for that, or what? Does like? What can you say, Josh? I mean, it's like you know, what can you say? He didn't mean it. It's like, <laughs> you know, 
He was like, Ronnie, what are you doing? I'm sure Graham wanted to have a fight with him. Yeah. Probably roll around the restaurant with him, but you can't. What can you do? So then Graham Souness gets sacked after defeat to Bristol City. Well, he resigned, actually. Oh, he resigned. Which is interesting because I think you don't get that anymore, do you? That was a thing in the 90s. If a manager kind of like yeah. thought, I've, I've had enough here. What yeah. does it feel like at that time? Did it feel like that was inevitable at the time? Or reason why I remember that game so well was we played... On the Saturday, we played Leeds, and I was playing... David Rocast was a great midfield player. Mm. Him. Uh, he used to do this tackle, like a scissor tackle, and that was his thing. So I remember going past him, and he scissor tackled me. And I, as he's done it, I just felt a little, like, nick in my knee. I thought, well, that felt strange. I mean, all weekend, I didn't feel great. I trained on the Monday. I think we played... Bristol City on a Tuesday or Wednesday, I can't remember, it was a, it was a replay. We drew nil-nil up at um, Ashton Gate and then we're playing the replay. And so three or four minutes before half-time, someone throws the ball to me. I just side-footed back to them. And I, as I've, I thought, wow, that's, that's not right. I just felt like a, really, like a really sore pain in my knee. So I get back into the dressing room, get in, I, I, as I sit down, I go, I get up, my knee's locked because I've torn my meniscus. <sighs> well, I don't know that yet. Anyway, yeah. I'm thinking, oh my God, we're losing 1-0 to Bristol. And Graham Souness is going mad, by the way, standing there in front of us. And now I've got to tell him I can't play anymore. I, I've, I can't. I, anyway, I, I'm sitting there thinking, I wonder if I can go and play on my leg bent for 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, everything's going through my mind. You know, I wonder if anyone's ever done that before. <laughs> I called, the, I called the doc over, Dr. Waller. I said, anyway, I said, doc, I'm in trouble. I don't know what to do. I said, I can't straighten my knee. I don't know what I've done. He said, well, tell me, explain what happened. I said, well, I just felt, I side-footed the ball, but he went, okay, I, I think you've torn your meniscus. So I get on the bed. Doc calls Graham over and says, look, Graham, you've got a problem here. Jamie's done his knee. And he said, well, he's all right. And he, I went, well, yeah, I think so. Anyway, he can't straighten his knee, Graham. Like, so, because my knee, when it locks, you can't, it, the meniscus sort of tears and there's nothing you can do unless you've got like a, a wench or something to just open it up. Oh and it, well, I wasn't in pain. That was the weirdest thing. There was no pain or anything. So anyway, I had to come off and then and then, and I'm, I, and I had surgery the following day. And then Graham, Graham then got sacked. Uh, sorry, left uh, by mutual consent, wherever it was. And, uh, and, and obviously that was, I was gutted because I wanted to try and be part of you know, working with Graham. I had a surgery the following day with my knee. They took my meniscus out, most of my meniscus. And then, and then when I look back at my injuries, these, these are the reasons why. I played in 10 days. So, so the 10 days later, okay, let's, what was that date again, Man's Bristol City game? Uh, 25th of January. 25th of January. 94. Valentine's Day is what? Two and a half weeks, three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so two and a half weeks later I played because... Um, Matt Letizia, I came on a sub. Matt Letizia beat Liverpool, the Valentine's Day massacre when Southampton beat, <laughs> beat Liverpool 4-1 or something. I was sub and I came on. So Blimey. I played within two weeks of having my meniscus taken out. And that's, oh. yeah. So in, yeah, in terms of you know, stupidity yeah. and negligence and whatever way you want to look at it, that's one of the reasons why I had to need it so bad in the end. God. So in comes Roy Evans, who seems like the nicest man in the world. Is that fair? Like, was yeah, he? Yeah, a great guy. Was, was he too nice? No, I, too nice is. I think people maybe took a few liberties. That would that would be mm. what I would say. But I wouldn't say too nice. You know, he had an edge to him. Yeah, he'd been in that dressing room and seen a lot. You know, with, with Kenny and obviously uh, Bob Paisley and all the greats. Roy was just a diamond. I wouldn't have a bad word said about yeah. him. I just gutted if I have the regrets I have in my career that we didn't win anything for him because. 
He, he got a lot of, not not stick, but questions about him. Was he too soft? Was it this? A lot of rumours, a lot of crap, you know. Great team, though. He was a great guy. Yeah, great, great team. team. We played got lovely stuff. Playing yeah. really good football, some great players. So then uh, Robbie Fowler breaks through. 25 mm. goals in the league. Like, how good was he? Uh, Robbie's a genius. There's another word to describe it, Josh. I remember his first game, the first training session, actually, we trained against him. We did a game. So Graham was working on some stuff. We were playing Fulham in a, in a League Cup game. And he wanted to have a practice match against the youth team. So we, we used to go down to this other park called the, the, it was on the training ground at Melbourne. It's called the Pigsty, where the young kids used to train. It wasn't the best. But, so we're having 11 v 11. So the youth team are playing against us, and we're working on a few different things. And they've got this little kid up front. So I'm looking at him. Ball comes up to him, and he, and he sort of uh, lost the ball. And, and, there was, and Huey McCauley, was a youth team coach, shouts something to him. Hey, Robbie, Robbie, get hold of the ball. So Robbie just turns to Huey and goes, oh, fuck off, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> I went, I can't say that. Coach. <laughs> he went, oh, you know, and he's only little. He said, oh, sorry, sorry. Anyway, about 10 minutes later, he gets the ball. I can't remember the exact skill. He's done something. He's gone like that and just hit this shot, bang, like a rocket into the top corner. And I've gone, oh, can you play or what? He was, and he looks at me like his little cheeky little face. And then the following week, we travel down to, to Fulham, waiting on the bus. Lo and behold, Robbie comes onto the bus with us and sits down and we were like, I was laughing because obviously I only have a go at him, but because I love that yeah. devil, but I also love straight away, you play football, you understand when there's a special player. It's like when the first time you see Stevie Gerrard, it was like, wow. Anyway, we end up winning, I think, 1-0. He scores a, a, a lovely side foot goal, if I remember rightly. In, and then I think the following game, you guys might know better than me, I think we beat them 5-0 in the second leg and I think he gets all five or something like that. <laughs> Wow. He, was, he was a genius, Robbie, and a funny, lovely... I, I can't speak highly enough about it. Rob Jones there, 35 yards out, tries a shot, stopped by Stannard, and put in by Robbie Fowler. What are they going to do here? Nine-men wall, Rowland squares it, Fowler finishes it. Great finish, great set-piece, 2-0. Purchison holds it up, waits for a little bit of support. It now in Rob Jones, great run from Jones. 100 yards is made, and Fowler finishes that one off as well. A hat trick for the youngster. Redmond, every Liverpool pass now. Dix across, and a diving header. Well, he scored with virtually every part of his body. Robbie Fowler, that's his fourth goal of the game. Could this be five for Fowler? Yes, it is. What a remarkable feat from the 18-year-old. Well, let's move on to the mid-90s now. Like This is the pomp of Jamie Redknapp, I'd say. Oasis in the charts, fantasy football on the telly. And suddenly, like, footballers are becoming big celebrities. And I, I imagine the fact you don't look like Andy Gorham probably played a bit of a role in that. It was yourself, People always say, like, yourself, Ryan Giggs, Lee Sharp, the footballer as kind of celebrity, like rock stars. What did it feel like to be in the middle of all that? Did, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I, I guess so. And I suppose I didn't, I don't help myself or whatever the way you want to look at it. I married a pop star as well. So that probably added more pressure to my yeah. situation. But I never looked at it like that. I was, I was so grounded. I never really, and if I ever did get above my station, like my dad would come down on me like a ton of bricks. I still trained hard. Yeah, I liked a night out, but I didn't have, I'd go out in Manchester or wherever for a night out and I'd see Ryan Giggs there every time you know but the difference was Ryan Giggs won the trophies I didn't yeah. so if we'd have won and he did and he would have been the Spice Boy <laughs> you know, and, and the rest is history when you like, 
you know, you were obviously knew you were good at football from the age of four. When did you know you were really good looking? Stop it with it. Was it when you got in the dressing room and looked at Bruce Grobler and thought, <laughs> I can't see his poster going on many bedroom walls? Uh, you had like you had a column in Smash Hits magazine. You, I know. What was I thinking? Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember what you wrote about? Yeah, some rubbish. I think at the time someone was like, "That's the thing." So someone wanted me to do like a clothing range. So you're going to do a a column in, in Smash Hits, and I, I was like, "Okay," but I, I didn't do it. Someone used to do it for me. But the funny thing was, we were doing League of Their Own a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if it's been on yet, but in the, on the show they pulled out this old Smash Hits thing. <laughs> And in, in the in the column, they were like, "What like what sort of girls do you like?" And, it, and whoever wrote it for me went, "Oh, you know, I'm not a big fan of short skirts and girls with those low tops with their boobs hanging up." I'm thinking, "Who wrote that?" <laughs> like, why on earth are you talking about short skirts and things? And I'm like, "This is for Smash Hits, which is a teen magazine." And I, and I, but now I would have gone. There's no way you'd let anything go out like that unless you're in yeah, control yeah. of it, you know. But it was so ridiculous. Did you, so you didn't read it you didn't read these columns no, I, go. I just want to play football I didn't care but like you know I... did you like and then in the dressing room like Jason McAteer's got his head and shoulders contract David James with Armani are things like this being discussed and joked about or is it are you like I can't believe this is happening no I, I suppose it was we, we obviously like I say we did that but the United players were doing stuff as yeah. well and it was just a case of you know, David James was a good-looking lad, and um, Giorgio Armani wanted to model for him. Nowadays, if you did that, no one would bat an eye. Yeah. You know, you travel the yeah. world, you go to an airport, and you'll see, you know, Raheem Sterling advertising something or another player. So it makes no difference. But in those days, I think it was probably just a slightly... It was a bit more obscure because we were... You know, we'd have won the things that we should have won. Mm. It might have been a slightly different conversation, but... I was doing things, and obviously then, as I say, there's extra scrutiny because of what goes with it. But I could only ever say... You know, yeah, we all did stupid things, but I try. I, I, I live for football. I trained yeah. hard. It would never be the sort. I never went out and had a drink the night or two nights before a game. I, I was never a rule, but I was a goody goody. Really, <laughs> I got involved in you know in a couple of stupid things. I liked a night out, but I would never you know do anything too stupid. That's for sure. Obviously, like the game's changing. You're becoming more of a celebrity, and money's piling into the game now. But what did the old guard like Ronnie Whedon? What is Ronnie Whedon looking on from the sidelines of this point? Like, is there any conversation about? I can't believe how much this game is changing so fast yeah I'm sure they probably looked at us and thought oh, you know at least like they know they're not they don't deserve to be acting the way they do but I don't think we've been I, like, I, I got on great with Ronnie and all of those guys were brilliant with me um, but I guess it's a bit of self-preservation when you're when you're not you know you're coming to the end you'd always look down after I look at the young pups they didn't you know we didn't yeah. do that in our day but the difference was maybe with Ronnie's day they used to go out hard yeah. there was no phones there was uh, no camera phones there was no I mean not that we had camera phones as such then but none of the scrutiny in the press and no one was bothered about it, you know. But the game was, as you say, it was changing all the time. Yeah, we haven't said the words Spice Boys thus, thus far, but let's say it's Spice Boys. So that was like yourself, David James, Stephen Maron, Robbie Fowler, Jason McAteer. Was there anyone, was Stan Collymore close to being in the group? It wasn't a group. I, I can yeah. honestly say that. When, I, when you say those names, the two people I feel probably most sorry for, like Stephen Maron and Robbie Fowler, they got sort of... Lumped in. Like Robbie was a rascal, and he had his, you know, he'd like a night out with his mates, and so would Macca, but they, they were not. not they weren't good looking enough, were they? Not in your boy band. Winners, you would have been in. <laughs> uh, we've got to ask where, where have you got your cream stroke white suit? 
It's interesting you say that. I'm, I'm sure it's in my garage. <laughs> really? I don't know. I'd love to find it. Be, I need to. Uh, I need to do my garage out. I don't know about you guys, but my garage is a mess. <laughs> it sounds like it could be a good bit mouldy. It might be a, white, a green suit by now. <laughs> no. Wouldn't it be funny just to pull it out one down the sky? And just turning up and just coming on like you know, Man United versus Liverpool. You're just sitting there like that in your white suit. <laughs> <laughs> I bet if you auctioned it, that'd go for millions. A lot of money, Jamie. Wait, I don't know about that. I'd have gone for more if we'd have won. But, you know. <laughs> Do you, um, did you record any cup final songs or anything at that point? Yeah, Pass and Move. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That's a good tune, that. Good song. It was a goodie. John, Johnny Barnes was... Uh, but the, the best one was obviously, the, you know, the, uh, the Anfield rap with Craig Johnson, and that was yeah. brilliant. One more question on that. Just a yes or no. There's a myth about this pound coin that was passed around during a game. Are you aware of this? I've heard it. I don't know anything about that one. Oh, okay. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. All right, we'll move on. Well, I've heard the story that there's something, I don't know, but again, like I said earlier, loads of stories, loads of myths and all that yeah. stuff. And I just sort of, you be very careful because when you, we were, we were easy targets. Got to remember that. Mm. Very easy targets. I mean, one thing we did, I remember Robbie, Robbie Williams coming on the bus one day with us to a game. Oh, yeah. Like that. We, yeah, that was like quite bizarre. <laughs> and he came, at the end of season, we went to Marbella and Robbie came and, on the on the trip, we had some yeah you know, some really that that was like quite. So who was his who biggest... did he just walk on the bus? Yeah, and you're like Steve McMahon sitting there, mate. Yeah, <laughs> 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 <sit there. laughs> uh, no, he came with us to the, to one of the games, and when he left, take that. Bill Badwood, good friends of him, but he ended up coming to stay and live with me in my digs to get away from London and get out the media spotlight for a while. Oh, wow. So he came to Liverpool. I was staying in digs with Alan and Janet and, and Joanne and, and Mark, their kids. And, that, and Robbie and I would become mates. And I said, look, mate, come and stay with us. Come out the way. And so he ended up staying in my digs. What, and is that just like a family home that you're kind of living in? Yeah. He I, just I wanted to get in your smash hits column. It's so obvious. <laughs> I know. You walked oh, in yeah, that exactly. trap. He knew. He knew. He knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was bizarre, and he came and lived with us. And we went. I remember going out one night. Went to um, a bar in Liverpool. I can't think of the road where, like, the karaoke bars are. We'd, he'd been there for a, a couple of weeks. So we were having a couple of drinks, and we, he's got like a cap on and stuff, trying to you know play it under the radar. So we're in the we're in the karaoke place with me, Robbie, and a couple of other lads. And they play. Everyone's getting up. So Robbie's gone. I've got to get up. Look, Bob. Don't break cover, mate. You're not really meant to be here. No, I'll be fine. Anyway, there's a few old... Anyway, he gets up, he's got his cap on, he starts singing away. This old boy gives me that one. He's not bad, is he? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's not like, he's got a chance. He's got Robbie Robbie, Robbie Williams doing karaoke in Liverpool. No one knows what he's doing there. The whole country's looking for him. Let's talk about your England career. So your debut comes in September 95, and it's really famous, the the moment in your debut, the scorpion kick by Rennie Hagita, because it's against Colombia. But the big question, Jamie... What was that? Was it a cross? Was it a shot? You loft it in there. It's perfect for Renee yeah, to get the shank. scorpion. <laughs> shank. Yeah, it was a shank. The ball's come back to me and I've just, I used to quite like that cross. Jordan Henderson does it a lot now. As it comes back to you, obviously the, 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 the defence come out and you can just, when they're not ready, not quite set, you can just whip it in first time. I mean, you take a touch, obviously the defence are set. Ooh. So as I thought, I just whip it in because I saw, I think it was Alan Shearer or Teddy sharing him in the middle. Anyway, I've just shanked it. And then, I, and as I've turned away, it's just like, because it was a terrible cross, I've just, heard the crowd roar and I thought what, what's happened there I mean some people say that was offside or whatever I don't even know but to still have the balls to do that it's pretty cool right? <laughs> yeah. 
So in the run-up to Euro 96, following year, Venables clearly fancies you. I think you played against China in Beijing. You made the squad for Euro 96. Were you there in that infamous night out in Hong Kong? Yeah, I mean, the greatest night of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it was funny the other day we were doing something with Gary Neville. I was doing something with Gary Neville and he was just like, oh, you know, I, I was just so pleased I wasn't there because of what happened. I'm like, are you mad? <laughs> <laughs> it was like the greatest night in like, football history. Like... It was funny because we beat... I played really well in the game against China. We played in China and... Um, Tough opposition. I, yeah, I know. But do you know what? It did, I played with Gaza. We I think won 3-0. And Gaza and I really hit it off in that game. So then the following day, we fly to um, to Hong Kong. So we end up in this club called China Jump. And it's Paul Gascoigne's birthday. Oh. So Terry says... I mean, it's been well documented. But Terry says, look, guys, go out, have a few drinks. You deserve it. You've, you know, you've had a great... We've worked, we've worked hard as well, by the way. We've trained hard. We've worked hard. And, and we've not... You know, it was one of those where Terry went, go and have some fun. He said, but look, just to make sure you're going to be okay, I'll send Brian Robson with you to make sure you look... And we're like... Fuel onto the fire. <laughs> yeah, this is brilliant. So Robbo's like proper, like... He's, he's the best. One of my heroes growing up, still is now. So we're having a few drinks and then Gaza spots it as a dentist chair there and it's his birthday and he's going, lads, getting in the dentist chair. So we go, well, what happens there? And we're next year, I look around, I'm having a couple of beers with Macca and Robbie. There's no sign of Nick Barnby, Bill Neville, Gary Neville. They're, in, they're tucked up in bed. <laughs> you know, all the silly scousers, all the Liverpool players, we're, we're there right in the middle of it, you know. And, and uh, next thing, Gaza's in there doing the dentist chair, the bottle of tequila, bottle of vodka. Teddy Sheridan goes in, we all end up going in. But little did we know that behind the bar, the weasels were taking photos of ah. us and they sold it to the news of the world. So, yeah, you, it wasn't ideal. You didn't end up in the photo. That was the fact, because I can pick, you know, those photos you can picture it. Yeah. McManaman and Gaza are the main two. At that time, I remember going home and like thinking, oh, what a result, I'm not in that photo. I'm small, devastated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you, that's the photo you want to get. You did you, um, like, when, because there was a lot, uh, before Euro 96, it turned into this thing where the press was really at the, it was a horrible atmosphere between the press and the squad. Did that bond you together? Yeah, it did. And, and you know what, as well, because we got back, we had the problem with the plane, because uh, I think we flew... Um, Cafe Pacific. Cafe Pacific. And then we had a problem with a few of yeah. the, um, the monitors got broken, and it was just a bit, yeah, terrible. Like, it was, we had a laugh, and it, anyway, it got a bit out of hand. So we get back, and then the news of the world find out about that. I think Gaza told him that it was the free scousers. So the news of the world think it's me, Matthew and Robbie. I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm not taking all the credit for it, you know. So it was just a nightmare. And then we get, so then we get back. We drew against Switzerland, and then the press really turned. It got really nasty, as you say, Josh. So the following that that evening, Terry Venable said, "Look, guys, you can go home." Just be careful, behave yourselves. I didn't play against Switzerland. I was training great. I felt good. So I knew I was on the verge of maybe getting in. And uh, so Terry says, just be careful. So I go back. Mum and dad were away somewhere. I think they decided to have a few days off, a few days away, and then come back for the game the following Saturday against Scotland. I thought I'd go and spend the time. I go down to see Frank. Frank Lampard's in Essex. He's not too far away. And they go out with his two sisters. And we said, let's we go out for a drink somewhere. I think Frank must have been 17. So we ended up going to Faces in East London, in, in uh, Essex. So, you know, low profile, why not? So we, we, go to, we go to do that. As I'm there, I'm looking around and thinking, shouldn't really be in here. I'm not drinking. Maybe, well, I, say I'm not drink- I think I had one or two yeah. beers, but I didn't think, you know, I thought I'd be fine. No one's going to say anything. I look over, Sol Campbell's in there. 
I'm thinking, that's all right then, that's the result. Then I look at look over the next thing, 10 minutes later, Teddy Sheridan. Now, I'm all right, because they'll get rid of me and Sol with any problems, because we're two young'uns, but obviously Teddy, he's one of the big yeah. hitters. So, following morning, I get a phone call from Terry Venables. So, te- so Terry Venables calls us up and says, guys, what have you been doing? He said, I told you to be careful. I said, Gaff- no, Gaffer, we just went out for a couple of beers. We didn't get up to no good. He said, well, let the sun know about it. And, and they're going to print a story. So I, I honestly, it was probably the worst night I've ever had. So I wake up and I and we we're staying at Burnham Beach's hotel and I'm thinking, I'm going to get thrown out. I'm going to get thrown out of the squad. And I'll never forget it, that noise. You know, I don't, you know when you stand in a hotel room, it was carpet and you hear... I'd ordered, I'd ordered the paper to follow him and you hear the newspaper go under the, oh. under the, under the uh, door. And I'm thinking, I don't want to look at it. Don't, and I, I pulled it out and there's like Sol Campbell, Teddy Sheridan, myself, the three of us on the front page. And I'm like, oh, that's it. I'm done. I'm, I, I just thought, I'm gonna, what's he gonna, what am I going to say? The embarrassment, you'll never live it down. Anyway, thankfully, Terry sort of said, right, that's it. That, we, that's pulling us together. You guys have done nothing wrong. I've, I've t- and he went out and he was amazing for us, Terry, because he could have thrown us under the bus. He said, we've got a week till our next game. I told him to go out. Sol Campbell doesn't drink. Jamie and Teddy had a couple of beers and they were home early and stuck up for us like you can't believe. Otherwise, we would have definitely got thrown out of the squad and the rest would have been history and it's on your CV forever. Blimey. Yeah. And so- it, what are those Euro night? Like, you're in that bubble and so you're all together. What, what was Euro 96 like as a team together was it an amazing experience the, the greatest josh i have to be honest i remember um when when he picked the school we stayed at burnham beaches mm. and we had the whole hotel to ourselves a really nice sort of old country hotel but small so there's only i don't know how many rooms 40 rooms so the whole squad and and all the likes of you know brian robson was the assistant manager and everyone was just standing in the hotel so we had a nightmare against Switzerland during nil nil and when we beat scotland it was like a release the whole country sort of turned against the press and got right on side so we'd like go into a game, we'd, we'd leave the hat, we'd leave Burnham Beaches and there'd be thousands of people lined across the streets. And you're like, 21 years of age, I'm doing this and I'm in the England squad. And then the whole feeling of like euphoria and then we'd play a game and there was like a long break between each game. So Terry was so like, listen boys, you're going to have a couple of beers. We'd have a couple of beers in the bar. We'd be playing foot, we'd be playing like football out on the, on the lawn. We'd play tennis, we'd go and play golf. It was like the best stag <laughs> When you say played football, um, you'd like when you weren't training, you guys. Are... Yeah, we'd be playing head tennis or something, like because you got people like Paul Gascoigne yeah. there, and who just had so much energy. So we'd play snooker, we'd play pool, and and it, just remember, but it was it was great weather. The sun shined every yeah. day, boiling hot. We'd sit out with a like Hawaiian tropic on, getting a suntan, <laughs> you know, having tea and tea and scones on the lawn. It was like this is the dream. It was just the, the most amazing experience of you know and i unfortunately i mean it was the greatest moment but also hard because i you know i i um i broke my ankle against scotland with a couple of minutes mm. to go after coming up and having such a nice impact in the game so it really it well was, let, it was let, a real... let's talk about that scotland game because that i'd say that's kind of i know you only came on at half time but that's kind of in a way you changed euro 96 you are heavily responsible for yeah. what happened in Euro 96. Yeah, and you've got a really good case for that. Like Switzerland won all, the, the, the whole nation against the team. You come on nil-nil at halftime against Scotland. You come on, you turn it around. That's so you. What happens at halftime? Did you know you were coming on? 
I'll tell you exactly how it happened. I remember... And, um, and do you take credit for being the best player at Euro 96, like I claim? <laughs> what, changing the, changing the, the, the history? No, i tell you exactly how it happened. I, as I said, I was training really, really well, and I, I almost felt uh, that I, was, uh, I might even start. And then Terry Venable was uh, on the Friday uh, before the game. Friday said, listen, you are so close. And if things aren't going great, you're my first substitution. I was like, great. So I already felt yeah. like 10 feet tall. So we're drawing nil-nil, we're struggling, we've got no real shape to the team, we're playing the three at the back. Gareth Southgate's playing centre midfield, it's not suiting him because you've got to, it's not his game, you know, he's better when he goes and closes people down. There's no one getting us on the ball. And one thing, that was what I like doing, I like to try and, you know, my job as a player was, I know what I can do, I'll get it to Manon, I'll get it to Darren and I'll give it to Gaza. That's, I've got no problem doing that. So anyway, I'm getting, I, I go out onto the pitch to warm up, Terry Venable jogs over to me, he says, get warmed up, you're going on. Now, it, as I, even as I say that, it makes the hairs on the oh, back wow. of my head next to that. So I get walled up, and I remember like looking up to my dad, who's in the thing, and because he's like my dad's obviously so like he knows, and he, he's watched Terry come up to me, so he knows how it works. And, he, and when you see a player, you go to a game, they do a different warm up when they're coming at half time. So he clocked it. So as I run that, I give him like a thumbs up, so I'm you know I'm coming on. So I got, I've genuinely got goosebumps. Talking, yeah. hearing you talk. Yeah, about. Oh, mate, it's mad. So at Wembley, the tunnel goes like that. So I, I don't. I can, I can picture it now. As I go down, my feet don't touch the floor. You know, like when you just <laughs> get down there. We're in the away dressing room because Scotland, I think we tossed up for it or whatever, tossed a coin or whatever. And I go in there, I don't know who I'm coming on for. So as I walk in, Stuart Pearce comes up to me with like the biggest bear hug, like, and just so cool about it. He went like, you're coming on for me. Get on this fucking ball, <laughs> make this play. So I, I'm like, I'm so, I could honestly, it's fight the world at that moment. Tony Adams is on the uh, on the massage table. He's getting a, a needle into his knee. That <laughs> at the same time giving a speech that made you just want to fight the world. I can't put it any other way. Like that. This is our fucking backyard. This is our home. They're coming here. They think they're taking the piss out of us. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know this was like ready. So we came out second half and we. Played great. Obviously, Gaza produces that. Um, you know, we score a lovely goal. With Gary Neville, great cross, Shearer, and then they get a penalty. And I'm thinking, oh my god, all this good work. We're going to get hammered in the press, whatever. And then Seaman obviously saves the penalty from Gary McAllister, and then Gaza produces just the most sublime piece of skill. That even now, I don't think people realise how good that goal is. If you said to a great player, knock it over your head with le- knock it over someone's head at full pace with your left foot, and then volley it with your right, running as fast as you can. Only a few players in the world could ever do that. So it was such a great moment. And then he, as he, before the game, he'd said to me, I'm doing the dentist chair if I score. Oh. And I'm like, of course you're not going to do that. He said, but I promise you I will. I went, anyway, as he runs over, I've spotted what he's doing because he gives it that one. So I'm there, I'm close. I'm on the first on the scene, me and Maka and Shearer. So we just get the bottles and squirt them into his mouth. And I've got, I haven't got many pictures. I'm not one of those sort of guys that, you know, just has stuff of like my memorabilia. Or like that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I've got the, I did the, like, I've got that picture downstairs and it's just hands down one of my favorites. Yeah, oh, that's the dentist chair picture you wore, not the one in Hong Kong, the recreation of Wembley. Uh, that's the one. Yeah. A defining moment of that summer. Thank you.
And then it must have been just awful to get injured in that game. Yeah, it was because it, it was a it was a quite a strange experience because as I, as the crowd got with two nil, I broke my I broke my ankle about ten minutes ago. And I knew I was in trouble. It was just a really un, like an innocuous one, but I knew I felt a crack. So it, at Wembley they had um, an X-ray machine. So I go, I, I can hear all the crowd singing like football's coming home, but I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm getting an X-ray, and it's like that feeling of like I know I'm not going to be playing again in this yeah. like, special moment, a special team. I'm 100% starting because I'm not, you know, like you said, I knew I'd done a good job. Uh, and I also know, on the other hand, I'm, I want to be in that dressing room with the boys. I should be down there celebrating, but instead, I'm getting a, um, an extra on my ankle because I broke oh, it. Oh, God. And so do you stay around the camp or do you... Mate, I weren't missing that <laughs> <laughs> So what do you do for, like, the next week and a half? You're just chilling out there? Yeah, I just had treatment. And I, I genuinely, you know, I had a hairline fracture in it. So I, I, I just stayed around. I was in like one of those plastic boot things. So what can yeah, you do? Yeah. I know where better to go than that. Why would you want to leave? I, I, I was around my heroes. I was around my mates. I was just wanting to be part of it and just prayed that we could obviously win the um, tournament. So, and Terry, I, I, I'm a, I've always been the, like, one of those sort of, I'm not, I, I like being around other, you know, the footballers and having the fun. So I, it was never even, a, it was not even a question. I, I said, can I stay? And he was like, of course we want you to stay. So did you, fine. would you have taken one of the penalties? Yeah, I, I would have done. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I didn't like taking penalties. But if you look at my career, I took a few for Liverpool and I didn't, they're not fun. It's not, you know, it's not the most amazing, you know, it's, it's just happy when it's done. I would have definitely, ta- I'd have taken one of the five because I'd fancy, I'm a decent striker of a ball, so I'd fancy myself to score, but it's not a nice walk. Trust and what me. was that night against Germany like to, to watch, I suppose, from where, where were you, were you sat in the stands or you sat on the bench or? We just thought, yeah, the, the Wembley bench at the time had so many seats. So I just sat there, I just sat behind the bench and, yeah, it was just awful. I felt so sorry for I felt sorry for Gareth, I felt sorry for all the players, you know. But there was nothing we could do. It just we, the guys, you know, they played their yeah. hearts out. You know, inches away with Gazan, you know, getting on the end, and we were much the better team against Germany. And I've no doubt. Look, Pat, they had a good. They, Czech Republic were a good side. They had Patrick Berger and Poborski and players like that. But we'd have beaten yeah. them. Did you? Was there like a big piss up the night after the Germany game then at Burnham Beaches? That night, that that night, yeah, I think we all did. I think, and I remember, I remember Tony was a brilliant guy, Tony Adams. I think that was actually the last time we ever had a yeah, drink. Yeah, I think it was. You know, one of the last times. It was sort of, yeah, we just, I think everyone went home and just gutted, gutted for everyone because we played great football. I think the country fell in love with that team again and fell in love with football that summer. It was a really amazing time with football's coming home. It was just a great laugh. <laughs> when you get back to Liverpool after that England duty and a future England star starts emerging, Michael Owen, do you remember the first time you locked eyes on him? Yeah, I do, actually. I remember seeing Michael thinking, you know, a bit like Robbie. The first time you see Robbie, the first time you see Steven Gerrard pass the ball, the first time you, you just, there's a different noise. The, the way they move is different. And Michael had that deal. He was, he was just so quick. I've never seen anything quite like it. Yeah, so that was a real... Like, I always think, so, like, Robbie Fowler, um, Macca, Michael, they never got any stick. They never, no one ever really wound them up. They were, they were always like, ahead of their time. And no, Michael was was a sensational player, an effortless mover, one of the one of the greatest runner, like beautiful runner, you know, but perfect for football in terms of like quick off the mark, but also could get you know that you give him 30, you give him 30, 40 yards of space, you just can't stop. And what was it like when Steven Gerrard came through? Was he just amazing as well? Yeah, very similar, Josh. I remember the first time we, I trained with him. I've told this story before, but. I remember passing the ball to him. He was playing in the midfield. We had 11 v 11. We, he, he came to join in. And he didn't... I don't think Julio at the time 
fancied him that much. I passed the ball to Stevie. And normally, a young player would sell it back to you and you'd hit the pass. I passed it to him. He turned and just hit this part. And it was just like a noise. And I, it's a silly yeah. thing when you play, but you just you notice it. You know when you see someone strike a ball and it doesn't deviate, it doesn't move. It's like just so crisp the way it goes through the air. And I remember just said to him, fuck, you can play. And then about five minutes later, he, he, he smashed, he, he smashed uh, Paul into a tackle. And I was like... You are the real deal. And you knew you were in the presence of greatness. Well, you finished the 90s, Liverpool captain. And there's a few jobs that come with the captaincy that I wanted to ask you about. Firstly, team talks. So would you do a Tony Adams? Was it a big speech or did you prefer to go little shouts like Stuart Pearce style? Come on. What was yours? Well, it's funny. I mean, you see now, I don't know if you've seen the Tottenham documentary, but and you see like how the players get in a huddle. We never really did that in our day. I wouldn't have felt comfortable. I think you're all on, you're, it's a little bit, I feel sorry, for, like when I look at Harry Kane, I think, you know, it's a difficult thing because he leads by example and he's not maybe um, someone that does those big sort of Churchillian speeches. I would say that Tony was, Tony was like just everything. It wasn't, there was a lot of swear words, but the point got across. And I was a bit like that. I was, I loved, you know, I, I, you know, I was quite, I was super passionate. I wanted it so badly. So yeah, my, my you know, as a captain, I had no problem being that person that would sort of try to, you know, to cheer. And I, I was also a bit like my dad when he is with players. Like, there'd be certain players you just chat to. Like, I knew, you know, if you've got like a Robbie Fowler in the team, like, Robbie, we get that ball with you today, we're going to win this game. You just make sure you get on that ball. Little things like, you know, just go round to players individually rather than sort of trying to do it. Did you have to do like, did you have like little tasks you'd have to do, like sort out match tickets and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's the worst. Yeah. That's the, no, it is. It's the hardest thing because you've got your tickets. You know, everyone's got family. You know, the likes of Robbie got load of Liverpool family who want. The best thing, the more foreign players come, the better, because they didn't usually want that many. So, you know, you, you used to just say to, to Rigobert's song, what the couple, I'm like, sorry, Rigobert. You, you know, Macca's, Macca's got 12, you know what I mean? It's like, but, uh, no, it, it's, it was just part and parcel of it, you know, especially at home, because you had your family there and everything like that. But you had to, you had to just try and be as fair as possible. But it's never easy, because you can't keep it. Players' lounge tickets were the worst afterwards. You know, because you had to, everyone wanted to come in the lounge after, so you couldn't really do that as well. Yeah. Your last game for Liverpool, October 2001, you finished on 308 appearances, 41 goals. Liverpool fans everywhere still massively love you. But I wondered, what would you say of those uh, 41 goals? What for you is your favourite? Maybe like my first, which was from, uh, my first one was against Southampton. and it was from It's Yard awful. Out. I've seen it on YouTube. It's one of the worst <laughs> goals I've ever seen. It's at the Dell. Which I've watched games at the Dell when I was a kid. When Bournemouth were away, I'd go to Southampton to watch games. So I knew that stadium inside out. I, w- I used to go there and watch, you know, like Alan Shearer when he first got on the team, thinking, I wonder one day I'll play here. Anyway, I ended up scoring. I came on a sub. I scored on my Liverpool debut. And as I score from a yard out, I end up into the net. So the netting <laughs> is there. And I've got hold of it. And it, all I can see is Liverpool fans, like in front of me, like going mad. Cause, and looking at, and I'm a 17, 18 year old kid. And it's like, wow, wow, this is incredible. This is like an out-of-body experience, thinking I want more of this. So that probably that goal, has given, that gave me a feeling of what it is to play for Liverpool. And I scored a lot of nice goals from outside the box. And, you know, that was probably what my, uh, people remember me for probably most. But that was, my, that was a lovely feeling, I must yeah. admit. So our final question we asked all our guests is, if we could give you a button and if you pressed it, you'd go back in time to the 1st of January 1990 and live it all again, would you? Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. A lot of mistakes. <laughs> yeah. There'd be a few things, there'd be a lot that I'd... Still do the smash hits column? 
Maybe just read it after <laughs> it's published. But it's nice. It was, you know, great time. Great time. Great mates. Still friends with a lot of them now. And a different game to now. And I, 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 loved, I, I love to see people do well. I've never had a problem with people earning the vast amounts of money they do. And, you know, the, but the game has changed. We had, there's a lot of pros to when we had it when we didn't have all the press and the, and the, and the media scrutiny. Uh, that the players have now but just was it in a way was it like the best era because you you know I've got to be honest though Josh if you'd have said if I was playing the 60s 70s 80s 90s now whenever I just wanted to be a footballer it made no difference to what era I was born I just that was all I ever wanted to do and to say that I did it play for Liverpool play for my country I mean it's it's not not trying to give you you know to tell you of course you're going to say this is the fact I didn't care I didn't look I was just love football that much and one extra final question do you think you'll carry many of your readers over from your smash hits column into your new book that you've just published now (laughs) I hope so I I, I hope so yeah Yeah, one more time Jamie what's the title the title is A Beautiful uh, uh, that was sorry that's what someone It's uh, Jamie Redknapp, me, family, and the making of a football. There we go. Jamie Redknapp, thank you very much. Liverpool making progress down the left with McManaman. That was aimed towards Leonardson. Thompson back to Redknapp! What a magnificent goal! That was Jamie Redknapp. Um, we've just been discussing because we we have these on video, so you're watching Jamie Redknapp. He is so fit; it's I, unbelievable. I would use the word hunky. Yeah, he's unbelievable. But I was looking at his picture below mine, and I was genuinely embarrassed at my own face. <laughs> I, was thinking, I was thinking, this is pathetic. What I look like compared to Jamie Redknapp. He is a handsome man. He's got such a good tan, and you can see his pecs. And the thing I'd say about Jamie Redknapp is he looks like he smells nice. Oh. And I've, I've met him. He does. <laughs> um, I genuinely felt the hairs go up on the back of my neck when he discussed the England v Scotland being brought on and giving the thumbs up to his dad in the crowd as he finished warming up. Yeah. Oh. The other thing as well is that he mentioned that he was truant from school for 48 days. Surely that's going to trigger a letter addressed to Redknapp Senior that no. Harry would have to hide. I've spoken to Jamie before about that. And they just kept it. He says he said they kept it from his mum. They <laughs> didn't just didn't tell his mum. I thought that afterwards when the interview ended. No, they, didn't, like, they didn't tell Sandra. <laughs> so Sandra listens to this podcast. She's gonna <laughs> she's gonna be fuming. I started working out the um, number of England camps he'd got versus the number of days off school that he'd had, and whether it was like okay, one day off school equals X amount of England camps. <laughs> um, thank you, Jamie. Uh, his book is out now, so. Um, do go out and buy it. If you want to get in touch with us, this is how. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Okay, so that's it for this week. And just a reminder, Sunday, the 25th of October at 8pm, Quickly Kevin, live on Zoom or similar with Tom Crane and Matt Ford, the Championship Manager Tournament. Get a ticket via the links on our social media. But if you want to join our Patreon and get the Jaguar XG8 tier, then you'll get that evening for free. Well, not free, it's part of the package. It's great. Okay, next week is... Next week is a Quickly Kevin debut for Jason Manford, who will be talking about uh, his life growing up supporting Manchester City in the 90s. 
we all remember it was a very very different time <laughs> uh that's a great interview look forward to you all hearing it thank you for listening robbie slater see you later This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.